0: This is The Shift Podcast. What do Jimi Hendrix... This is going to be tough to get through, Matt, because these songs are so great. Yeah. Just let it go. I mean, most people know who Jimi Hendrix is, right? Oh, yeah, of course. He's he's the, the guitar's on fire. He's got roots in Canada, out west, where the hippies are in Vancouver. I mean, oh! Was this... Yeah. yeah, brother. Wasn't this the Hulk's walkout music at one point? <laughs> it certainly would be great. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay, so what do Jimi Hendrix, um, Robbie Robertson from the band? Like I said, it's hard to push stop on these songs because so they're so, so good. Comedy. Okay, so we got Jimi Hendrix, Robbie Robertson, Randy Castillo, who played drums for Ozzy through the '80s and '90s. Incredible drummer! Incredible drummer! Thank you for that. I really dig this song too, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. We got all night. Oh yeah, right. Let's get a go here. That's what I wanted to hear, that guitar right there. Oh yeah. It's okay, we got Jimi Hendrix, Robbie Robertson, Randy Castillo, and this legend, Link Ray, and his song that was the sexiest rock and roll instrumental ever, Rumble. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's nasty. Oh, it's so dirty, I love it, right? Jimi Hendrix, Robbie Robertson, Randy Castillo, Link ray all have one thing in common, they're all indigenous um, and part of being a good ally is learning the history and what's going on. Uh, there's a documentary called Rumble, the Indians who rock the world. It explores the histories of indigenous rhythms and music from jazz, the blues, heavy metal, Taj Mahal had an indigenous guitar player that played for him, Canadian filmmaker Alfonso Maroyana. From Quebec, who has a very long and storied career in film, he has roots in Vancouver. And the guy, he's done it all. I talked to him for about an hour, and he co-directed this movie. And we got into it. Uh, It was a heavy chat about music, uh, our love for it. And while he was filming scenes um, for this movie, there was there was a certain point when he was down south talking to some locals about the indigenous roots, and it surprised him how many black men and women had indigenous sisters and brothers and at that point he knew he had something. So we talked about his movie. It's called Rumble and it does a deep dive into the influence of indigenous artists like Link Ray, Jesse Ed Davis, and Mildred Bailey. All indigenous and all of them started something with their music. And the amount of research done on this movie must have been incredible.
1: So it took like six to eight months of just doing research, putting everything together, and then finally getting you know getting the money that was tough at the beginning, nobody believed in it, first of all. People were like, what? Nah, it's, it's African. I eh, know what it's this, you know. Like they, they they didn't you know the the white the white you know the white funders you know had no you know they didn't believe in that yeah. they're like what? No, you know yeah. uh, they thought, well blues is African. No it isn't. Right.
0: It's not man. It's not man. It's not like this is honestly dude this is revolutionary what you're saying because when I when I first watched this uh, a few years ago, when the year came out like it's all I think about is that connection and I just play it over like you listen to the indigenous drumming and then you play oh, that yeah. you play that blues riff and are you kidding me like this yes, is it this yes, is it uh,
1: yeah yeah I, th- I think I think the only way we were able you know like you know we, we did all this research and you and you know it's it, there's many ways to go. You go like the academic way. Sure. Mm -hmm. You ask professors. Sure. But they'll say, you know, well, you know, it's, 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 it's white or it's black. Mm -hmm. It's always that it's either white or black. Oh, it's European and it's African. I'm not saying that blues is not an amalgamation of all that stuff. Right. I'm not saying that, you know, because, but it's very clear you know, if you know music and you just have to talk to real musicians, you know, the African beat has its own beat. So whatever beat from Africa came to the US, North America, it was a different, you know, eight eight, it was a different beat. The indigenous beat is a four four beat. There's no, there's nothing two ways about it. Yep. So 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 when so native people were there first, indigenous people were here first. And when they, you know, and they were playing the guitar, the Hawaiian guitar on their lap, you know, all this kind of stuff. So they were playing it first. The beat is theirs. Now, when you get together on a plantation, people just think, oh, the plantation is just African. Well, no. Over between 33 and Fifty percent of people on the plantations were indigenous, and the other fifty to sixty percent were also mixed because by the time they were on plantations in the 1800s, right. a lot of them had intermarried. So it's 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 just it's just you know it's just retracing the history. I'm not saying that you you, you can't you, like blues is. You can't just say the blues is African. No, that's not a right statement. It's not, you know, blues is the beat is indigenous and there's African influence. There's some European influence, the same with jazz.
0: And the voices in this,
1: it's
0: so important.
1: It's that lived experience thing to have all these incredible musicians. Tell the history, the real history, you know, mm-hmm. from, from Trudell, from Jesse Davis, uh, uh, tell Jesse Ed Davis story, but people like, like Martin Scorsese and Robbie Robertson and Buffy St. Marie, all these great artists, when it comes from them, people should listen. You know, they need, you know, they're, they're speaking from the heart and they're, they're the ones that are, are, are the true storytellers. And they're the ones that, that, that can educate us about what, what, you know, I'm just a messenger, you know, I'm, Mm I'm not uh, I, I can't say that I'm indigenous, but what when you hear those people talk about it, 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 it becomes uh, not just not just legitimate, but it becomes really true in, 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 in the sort of exercise of retracing all the history of indigenous music. And it brings you and it sort of slides into like the real history of of indigenous land rights and all that, all that. Is all meshed into one, you know? So if you get the music, you'll get the history, you get all in one, you know? And that's, that's why it's important to listen to all this mm-hmm. because when people are saying, I'm influenced by, by Link Ray, I'm influenced by Buffy, St. Marie, I'm influenced. Well, you're being influenced by their roots. And what is their roots? Well, their roots is indigenous. So that, that's really important. You know, that that's why, It's 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 you can't have a chapter of music without the indigenous chapter in it. That's what that's what I want to say. I mean that's that's the that's why Rumble is important. That's why this film was was important. That's why people like Stevie Salas and everybody that's in the film is is important. You know? Because people people I I, like I'm going to end it with this. Like I remember how amazing you know Catherine and I would go to these festivals. All of us, even Stevie and and young people would say uh, how proud they were. You know, they would say, oh, uh, some of the most touching moments would say, you know, I've never said this before, but I'm, I'm, I'm from uh, uh, that nation or from I'm, I'm from uh, my tribe is so-and-so. And Like, you know, and, and, and when they see Jimi Hendrix also, that's a huge, I mean, this is the most iconic guitar player in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. And now you can say, well, He's not just African American. He's he's also Scottish, but he's of course indigenous as well. And so now you're you know you you can you can you can feed off of that and you can make it you know you you can bring that to your heart. That's that's what it, that's what counts. You that's know, it. I mean, yeah. that's why that's why that's important. You know, yeah. and I think that's what he projected anyway. So now it's not just you know. It's deeper. And it's what you said before. If people just listen to the lyrics and why, where it comes from, then you get a, a, really, a real history lesson. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what Rumble is. Co-director
0: Alfonso Majorana, uh, co- uh, co-director of Rumble, the Indians who rock the world. Put it on your watch list. It's, it's all over the place. It's wonderful. And he makes it. We're so much less as people without this history and knowing what's happening. This is the Shift Podcast. Let's talk about love, Matt. What is
2: love?
3: Wouldn't we all like to know? Time for Nicole Talks Love with our dating and relationship expert, Nicole Haley. See, that's
0: that's right there is a prime example how you entered everyone's hearts, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Nicole is uh, the Shifts Relationship and Dating Expert at NicoleTalksLove.com. And we had a long chat about what it's like, going to be like dating in this upcoming, up and coming after COVID time. And uh, we started off by asking her, what are people most nervous about?
4: Yeah, good question. I think people are really nervous about different expectations of getting it back out there. Everybody has their different level of comfort, their different level of risk-taking and so when you're entering into this seating scene where we've just come from such a high lockdown people are uncertain so the key is really getting comfortable with what you're comfortable with and having an honest conversation and so i think that's where people are hesitant and then you have like different levels of like people who are vaccinated not vaccinated people are comfortable with that not comfortable with that there's just a lot of uncertainties right now that we get to move through and i think the biggest thing is learning to be able to be comfortable to communicate what you need
0: so, this might be difficult then because a lot of people have difficulty communicating already. So, we really have to work on that skill moving forward.
4: Yeah, that's so true. Yes. And I think that when we look at communicating, we get nervous because we're not sure we're going to offend somebody. We're not sure how to say it right. So, if that's part of that uncertainty, maybe just getting comfortable in your head of how you want to bring it up. So, a lot of times, even before getting onto that date, is just saying, hey, Um, Like, are you good with air hugs or are you like the kind of person that I can like come in for a hug or is that going to be too awkward? Like having that awkward conversation before you meet kind of eliminates that in-person awkwardness, right? And so if you kind of have that way of kind of setting it up, then it may be a lot easier when you're out and about then or on that date in person.
0: Okay. You just gave me some confidence because I'm incredibly awkward. So these awkward situations will be more common. So that's good. You mentioned, um, yeah. being honest about things. Um, I'm seeing vaccine. Are we telling people on like dating profiles and stuff? We're vaccinated. We're double vaccinated. Or is that like, man, is that weird? Cause I've seen it and it seems I weird. I don't know why, but yeah. it just feels that way.
4: I- yeah, I'm not sure um how that's all going to unfold. I know there's some things that are moving forward on a lot of the dating platforms right now and different ways of that being presented. And I think at the end of the day, it's going to be each person's level of comfort and what that actually represents. Because a lot of times people can say something and it's not accurate. Like how many people lie about their age or their height or their pictures are so outdated, right? <laughs> and so when you meet, you're like, oh my gosh, what? And so I think it's going to be the same. People may be stating things that maybe are thinking they're going to get a better life or a better chance with somebody. So I think, like, I constantly am saying this, and I say this to John all the time. Like, it's all about this honesty piece, right? Like, And you're going to go into these conversations, and you're going to get more clarity once you meet somebody in person, right? You'll get a more sense for who they are.
0: Mm -hmm. And honesty, it really... It really shows that you're a dynamic person as well, doesn't it? And and people are probably way more interested in a person that maybe is a little quirky and is a more dynamic and interesting than a than a like one-sided, you know, one-dimensional type person. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely now I think conversations are looking like more like fluid and like people are coming with different expectations and different standards. And so navigating that, I think, is going to be the new way of dating, right? Um, I know I hear people talk about, well, will there be this surge of, like, people wanting to get out and start dating or will there be that hesitation? And I think it's all in what each person's level of wanting to go back to normal is. (laughs) For some people, it's been respite, right? If they've been an introvert, this has been, like, the perfect excuse to not have to date, right? They're like, I just can't or if they never want to have that awkward conversation about sex and their boundaries this is perfect i can't touch you it's covid right like <laughs> it got people out of awkward situations they could blame it but now that we're moving back out so those introvert people are like oh my gosh i got to get back out there where the extroverts are like finally it's opening up but then now it's now having to really own our boundaries or what we're comfortable with rather than putting it out on something else like it's COVID <laughs> or I can only social distance because that's all going to start changing now. Okay. Those
0: aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some introvert or extroverts, sorry. And they, they're ready to like lick people's faces. They're out. They're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this. But yeah, as, as, as you mentioned, and that's me, you just described me. Like, I, I, I hate being around people. I hate crowds. I hate going out. Like, I get anxiety before dates. What, what are some tips for people like me that are like, Oh, oh gosh.
4: Right. My excuse is no longer available. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. So part of that is like starting slow, right? There's nothing wrong with going slow. So that is still your excuse. You can still use I'm going slow because that's true. Everybody's kind of getting their pacing and feeling what their level of comfort is. But if you're really that uncomfortable going back in crowds, that level of anxiety is up to like tenfold now, right? What used to make someone uncomfortable is even going to be worse now because we've been so into these isolated circles. So you're going to want to go into places that you're comfortable with, where there's a lot of open space, where you're just naturally getting comfortable with being around people. And then start slow. I always tell my clients, like, smile, make eye contact. That is the biggest way to just start a conversation or at least get comfortable again. And so when you're on a boat, go to the places where you don't wear masks, right? The parks, the seawalls, the the grass area right dog parks are a great place oh my god dog parks are perfect for meeting people
2: (laughs) (laughs) they're perfect you you can use the dog as your
0: excuse. you know what i'm learning that because i have a i have a seven pound deer chihuahua that is just like a little everybody loves it so yeah you're right and and i've noticed that lately that i've been out on more walks it's like okay yeah i'm glad i rescued this dog because this is working very well (laughs)
4: Yes, right? It's like your own natural pickup artist. Your your dog like <laughs> naturally draws people in to start a conversation and you can make it all about the dog. So that's a good natural way, right? Being in dog parks, talking about something where you're not all this pressure on trying to interact with this one person. You can use your environment to stimulate a conversation. So really look around wherever you are and bring in the environment. Maybe at a farmer's market, it finally opened up, and you might be like, oh, my gosh, I just love picking these fresh berries from this farmer's market. Have, have you tried these berries yet? Right? That's a really natural conversation. Or you might be out on one of the parks. This park's so beautiful. I, it's really amazing that other people are doing picnics. Have you ever thought of doing a picnic? Like, you're taking that environment and using it as a way to stimulate a conversation, which becomes really natural, which takes the pressure off of trying to have the right line, the right pickup line, the right way to start a conversation.
0: Okay, yeah, because that pickup line is tough because on especially on the dating apps nicole everybody 's like yeah. all the profiles are like. Hit me with this. It's so much like be funny, like make me laugh, clown. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah. I don't want to do that. But then you feel that pressure too. So again, I really think that this, the, the overarching theme is just take it slow and, and people are, are really nervous and it's going to take months yeah. for them to get ready. So we, we need to respect that. What else, what else do you think has changed? What has, what else has COVID changed? Mm-hmm. Um, that we need to maybe pay attention to coming out of it going for, for dates, which I have tomorrow, by the way, in a park with my dog.
4: Yeah, 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 do those for sure. Um, I think there's also, like, that casual, like, that hookup is going to shift a little bit. There's going to be those people that are, like, so excited to get back out there and finally be out but i think that culture that hookup is going to subside a little bit just because people are going to want to know someone more before they get intimate before they get even physically close like standing beside each other right not even talking about kissing we're just like standing beside each other so i think there's going to be that slower pace because that casual may not be as strong in the beginning it could definitely change the one thing i think that will stay though is virtual calls so people have really moved into a virtual form of dating, right? Like we're on the app. Let's get off onto a phone call or let's get into a, a video chat. And I think that will stay because it really creates this opportunity to get to know somebody. Is this even worth continuing to meet in person?
0: No. So I people, think that's going to be there. Really? People, people are going to, yeah, really? Because I, I just hate it. But you think it was, it's a, you? yeah, yeah. I just yeah, I can't stand it. I don't like being on cameras. I'm so fidgety, mm. Nicole. I'm so I put so much pressure <laughs> on my, my best light. Yeah, <laughs> right. I need a ring light. Be, I'll be investing like ten grand in ring lights and all these ca- HD cat or not HD, I guess, because I don't want them to see my oh, my crow's feet or whatever I have on my face. Okay, we need
4: the best lighting. That's all. We <laughs> gotta get you better lighting. But so let's say you're not so much into the video chat, then. Getting on the phone will be key, right? I think a lot of people would have jumped from, like, right away from, like, interacting, um, texting back and forth to then meeting up. I think people are going to intercept that with the next middle step, right? Getting on the phone or having a video call before meeting up. My thing about online dating, though, is we spend too much time online and we we don't build connection. We don't build chemistry online. We build it in person and over phone and hearing their voice. Right. We need more context. So online is not enough information. Like you said, there's so much pressure to be funny, yeah. to keep the conversation going, to keep track of who the heck you're talking to. Oh, like, oh, my God. gosh. Overwhelming.
0: Was this Sally or is this Margaret or is this, yeah, Gerpreet, whoever? Um. Okay, and, and now to your point right there. Is three, like how many messages are you talking about in a dating app should I be sending before I, I, I talk on the phone or meet up in person? Like, like talk for a day or two? Like, or is it, I mean, it's comfortability, but yeah. I, I guess it's so just it's comfortable. Cool. I, yeah, I guess I'd answer the question. It is, it is
4: comfortable and I would say within a week. Within a week of texting yeah. back and forth, you want to meet on some form, whether it's through the phone or a video or in person, because otherwise it's really hard to keep that conversation going. So you could say something like, oh, I would love to hear that story about you hiking or that camping trip you did a few years ago in on the phone. I would love to hear your voice tell that story. Or it'd be really great to hear your voice, um, just period. Or it'd be great to see you on a video call. like." creating that move over will really help.
0: Okay. Um, speaking of conversations, what, what can we do to learn how to talk to people again? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, you're so funny. So I think, like I was saying, it's just like e- using that environment will help to start the conversation. Okay, okay, yeah. The other pressure, though, I think, Eric, is we get so caught up in like, where's this gonna go, or what's this person gonna think of me? So if I start talking to this this pretty girl or this really good-looking guy, what what are they gonna think of me? Maybe they're not. Maybe they're in a relationship. So we get all in our head that we don't make any move. And if we take that pressure off that we're just humans to humans, we're having a human connection, we're sharing this moment, we're having fun in this moment, it doesn't have to go anywhere, it all of a sudden takes that pressure off, and now you can just be yourself right. because as soon as we're trying to get something, people can feel it right? right instead of I'm just enjoying this, and I'm going to share this moment, if it continues having a good time, I might want another moment with you
0: right, okay, yeah, I'm kind of the opposite i I am almost i'm I'm I'm, I'm nervous I'm too forward, so I'm a little more standoffish in those situations. Okay, do you – mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead.
4: No, I just can say, yeah, we can – it's our energy. People are going to pick up on our energy. That's right. all people are really reading in those moments. As much as they're listening to what we're saying, they're also reading our energy. So are we coming off as friendly? Are we coming off with, like, an agenda? Are we coming off guarded? Are we coming off, like, who are you? Like, there's all these energy on both sides. Right. So really, I get people to really think, how how are you, what's your energy like? What are you, what are you feeling in this moment?
0: Okay. So I th- we mentioned this a couple of times. It's like, we're, we're to be more respectful. We're to communicate better. We're to be mindful. Yeah. You know, all these things was COVID like the kick in the butt that some of us needed to learn how to, how to do this <laughs> properly. Like this, there are some positive things coming out of this for dating. Right. Isn't there?
4: Yeah, I think so. It's like a little bit of a reset, right? Kind of goes back to what our values are and kind of makes us reevaluate what's important and what do I really want? And am I willing to tolerate this? Or do I really want to be single? Uh, Do I actually want to be in a relationship? And do I want to be with this person even? Like it's caused a lot of reflection. For most people, right? Not for everybody, but for most people. And so now the approach is looking different.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Wicked. Nicole, this was what you are a blast. I love chatting with you. This was very much fun. I can't wait to do it again. Love it. Thank
4: oh. you so much, Eric. Okay. Bye
0: bye. Mm-hmm. We just talked to uh, Nicole from NicoleTalksLove.com, Nicole dot uh, com, the weekend shifts regular love guru. And Catherine called from Surrey and says she has a dating tip for me. Catherine, hi.
2: Hey. I got a tip for you. You have to dress up your dog. No. Yes. No. Go to the dollar store. Yes. Come on. Go to the dollar store. Even even if it's something little, just give her a little ribbon in her hair, you know, in her ear or something, something stupid, right? Like give her a Hawaiian dress, like skirt around her waist, like something to crack her up, right?
0: Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this right now, Catherine. I have a sweater for my dog that has a unicorn horn on it and it makes her look like a unicorn already but I don't take it out in public because that's embarrassing
2: but you have to dress up like a girl because she's a girl
0: what that's right? no she's gender neutral she can be whatever she wants to be <laughs> how dare you sex my dog Catherine
2: Oh, <laughs> well, I thought you said her name was Tina Turner, Teeny
0: Turner. and what well, she got Teeny she Turner. has legs like Tina Tina so it works she likes the tippy tappy toes
2: you know, you take the the ribbon and curl it. So you take you run the knife across the ribbon and it curls the ribbon. Yeah. Yeah. So you can make little hair like oh, dreadlocks.
0: Oh no! Oh, I mean, I want to because you're right. It is. If you don't fall, there's a dog on Instagram called Tika. And they do that to her all the time. You'd love it, Catherine. Check it out on Instagram. I can't remember the full name, but just look up Tika the dog on Instagram. And they put little costumes on her and all this stuff. So.
2: I, I don't have a dog, and I don't do this, but I'm okay. saying your okay. girlfriend will have a I don't have a, gr- don't I, I don't have
0: a girlfriend. Cute. But you will.
2: Oh. Oh. Okay, well, she'll think it's cute okay. and she'll laugh.
0: Okay, right? okay. I'll bring in my dog on the day tomorrow. It's so I'll it's do-
2: cheap. It's only a dollar store. It's <sighs> cheap. I work in
0: radio. A dollar is a lot when you get paid in birdseed, Catherine. Thank you for the tip and thank you for calling. Hey, Love this? you. Love you too. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs>
3: that's a great tip eric i'm totally with her on this one i don't feel right dressing up my dog though well nobody does i know (laughs) except for folks that have dedicated accounts to their dogs on
0: instagram yes which i do there is one at teeny turner but i don't put like i said i had the one unicorn thing but that's because my ex bought it for her and I do put it on sometimes because it is adorable, but never in public.
3: Dude, just take the risk, get out of your comfort zone a bit, get put the unicorn, put the horn on the dog. Oh, okay, w- you know, on her, you know, on Teeny. Yeah, and I guarantee you, it will be. It will. It'll break the ice. <laughs> it's gonna do it. Or oh, or she will totally think. That you're crazy, but... That's fine, too. It's worth the risk.
0: Well, you know, because she's she's just finding out quicker that I am crazy, so it actually would be fine. It really saves you a lot of time. Yeah, and her, let's be honest. <laughs> We're shaving her the trouble here. It's the Shift Podcast. Cue a mom, Sean Donnelly. He's a writer and a director, and he should have did a short video on his YouTube channel. It's D-U-R-T-Y-S-E-A-N so dirty sean on youtube and it's called cue mom this is my
5: mom she's the sweetest person i know and the last person on earth that i expected to get sucked into the dark world of internet conspiracy theories when she first started sending me videos like these i would take the time to research whatever they were claiming and write her back with my findings usually that they were not true at all but she never cared because she never trusted any of my sources I decided to just ignore all the emails and avoid talking politics whenever I saw her. But over time, it just started to seep into pretty much
2: every conversation. Hey, Mom, you wearing a mask when you go out these days? I don't believe we've had a pandemic. I believe it was a plannedemic. If you look at Rockefeller's lockstep, it was planned in 2010. It's all laid out exactly. It has to do with a new world order.
0: Okay. That's difficult to hear, but Inity talks about his mom's conspiracy theories like that one, and in it she bets him that a bunch of these conspiracy theories will come true in the coming months. She ends up being wrong and owing him $700. But as you watch, you really get to know and get a sense of how nice and cool Sean's mom is, even as she talks about this stuff that she believes. Um, He even told me that everyone that meets her says she is the sweetest woman, and I have to agree. So it got me curious. What's it like? when someone you love that much and that's that sweet goes down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. So I called up Sean to ask him what it's like dealing with his mom and when did you notice the change in what she believes?
2: Well, it's
5: obviously been a really slow process, right? Like she was into sort of alternative health stuff that and other conspiracy theories for a long time. like, And then she kind of got into like aliens and like reading about aliens and then you know, but I felt like that was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. She's just kind of into aliens or reading about it. It didn't feel like it was sort of malicious or anyone was like targeting her. It just felt like it was like communities of people like her reading about stuff like that. And, you know, and just like magical health cures and stuff like that. But I think that I think at a certain point, it, feel, it feels like to me, I mean, I guess I'm I'm sort of guessing a little bit based on what I've read. But it feels like somebody sort of targeted these people and was like these people believe a lot of this kinds of stuff and like, we can kind of target them and get them on board for all these like, kind of like extreme right wing, like beliefs and philosophies. And I feel like, so I feel like at first, when she first started doing that, I was like, these are all kind of like right wing talking points. And she's like, no, it's not political. It's not right wing. Like she was sort of like not even aware that the stuff she was reading was political at at first. And then I think after a few years, she kind of had been, yeah, groomed and sucked into it so much that she was like, Well, yeah, I am a- on the right and I do like Donald Trump. But like she didn't start out that way. She started off being like, This stuff's not even political.
0: You know what I mean? And at first for you was it it was it easier to pass off as, you know, oh, just you know, she's just exploring. It's good for her to expand her mind and and, and did it kind of hit a point yeah, and I, mean, like,
5: I don't I don't I don't think I was like it's good for her, I think well, but I think it was like <laughs> I don't, I think it was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know what she's reading and she's getting kind of lost on the internet, but I don't think anyone was like purposefully exploiting it, I guess. I think it was just more like she was finding these random rabbit holes and going down them and it was fine. But I think that this new kind of like right-wing conspiracy theories, right? Like conspiracy theories didn't all used to be right-wing. They used to just be different conspiracy theories for different people They are just kind of like, you want to know about aliens? You want to know about this? You want to know about that? They just kind of had a bunch of random theories, but they've kind of been like weaponized and now like every conspiracy theory is like against democrats and it's all like it's very like yeah it's like all very political which i think i don't know i don't think it used to be like that
0: what's what's this been like for you has it affected your relationship with your mom or have you not letting it bother you you're just that's mom i love her let's hang out well
5: obviously i love her and she's my mom but of course it affects things it's like hard to not bring it up and like she can just kind of go on and on about it and uh, she's really caught up in it you know it's like it's like someone telling you about a great movie they just saw or something and they like and then this happened and then this happened and like but you know and i just feel like it's hard to just sit there and listen to it eventually it's like hey can we talk about something else or i don't know so i think that's part of why i wanted to make the movie too it's sort of like instead of just ignoring it and being like stop talking about this i can't take it anymore it was sort of like a more active way to actually kind of like make something out of it i guess rather than just kind of try to ignore it and uh
0: you know pretend it wasn't there or something so how's dad doing with all this
5: yeah you know i mean i think it's interesting because i think at first i was like you know he'll be uh he'll bring her back to reality a little bit he'll he kind of like is a little bit more sort of reads the news and kind of knows a little bit more about what's going on in the world i feel like she was sort of like a little more ripe for the, for the picking, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that he's like a little, yeah, more grounded and stuff. But I think unfortunately over time, I think that some of the stuff she's been saying feels less crazy to him than it used to because he's heard it so much. And I think he's fallen, you know, he's not nearly where she is, but he's definitely gone closer to her than she has gone closer to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think like, it's like if you hear this stuff around you for like, you know, six years all the time, even if you're like, I don't believe 90% of it, even that 10% you believe is still kind of a lot, I think, you know?
0: Where are you with dad then? Are you trying to change him or are you just letting him do his thing or are you giving him kind of well, hey, about, hey, heads up pops? You
5: know, yeah, I don't know about trying to change, but I think that I try to talk to him about this stuff sometimes. I feel like, you know, I send him articles back and forth. I think it's like, i'd pick my moments i don't send him an article every day or anything because i don't think he would read it but if i like wait every few months and find something really interesting and send it to him i think he'll read it and focus on it more you know yeah. so yeah i kind of just i just kind of send him something when i think it's relevant or interesting but um yeah i don't know i guess it's mm-hmm. trying to uh it's funny because like when you have a more vague, abstract conversation with them, I think that they both kind of agree with me on most things. But I think when it comes to these heavily politicized things that are kind of like, which side are you on this side or this side, they're kind of like more on the side of the right wing and what they have read and think the other side sounds crazy. But if you talk like not about specific people and not about a specific vote or a specific thing and you just say, Hey, don't you think this is a good idea? They'll be like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. (laughs) So, I don't think that they're really like that, di- like different in what they think. I think it's really about like these stories that they've been um, caught up in reading.
0: You know what I mean? So many people dealing with this. What would your, what would some advice you have for those people listening that might be running through the same thing that you are with someone they love?
5: I mean, yeah. I don't know. First of all, if I'm qualified to give anyone advice on well, anything, but yeah, uh, well, just per- personal advice. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the way I think of it is sort of like. I think that, you know, the more extreme voices that you see on the internet and stuff are like, anyone in your life like this is toxic, cut them out, you know, they're terrible. But I think a, you know, you don't want to cut out your friends and family, like unnecessarily. I think that's like extreme. But also, I don't think that's gonna solve this problem. I think the problem is that these people are getting kind of led into these more extreme groups and beliefs. And I think if you cut them off and then they only hang out with other people that think like them and only hang out more on the internet, people are just going to get more and more and more extreme. So I don't think it's necessarily good on a personal level or on like a society level to like cut out a bunch of people out of your life personally, you know? Um, So I would say the best thing to do is to like focus on the areas that you still connect in and what you like about them and, and try to talk to them about other things. And like, you know, I think that nobody gets into this stuff like overnight, right? Like it's like a slow process where you like, you see something and you're like, maybe, and then you see it again. You're like, I don't know. And you see it again and again and again. So I think that probably getting out of it is probably similar, right? It's like little conversations to show you another perspective or like somebody meeting somebody that makes you change your belief on something like enough experiences like that i think might slowly have the power to like kind of change your mind and make you less extreme but i don't think i don't think there's and you're not going to talk somebody out of it or have like one conversation where they're like you're right i'm out of here but like like to me the little things i try to do is like send my mom a very non-political article from like the new york times or something that's just like an interview with a interesting weird person or like you know it's nothing political nothing offensive nothing like she would disagree with so that she could like listen to it and be like that was an interesting story and then just subconsciously i think that plants the seed that like hey this media isn't all like wise with this agenda to like be political like she kind of thinks the news is the news is all like a lie to like brainwash everybody into like doing certain political things but mm-hmm. i i want her to be aware that like the news is not just political like the whole world's not so political like if you look at the new york times there's like science stories about you know new discoveries about black holes and there's like interviews with musicians and there's art talk and there's dance and there's food recipes I just think there's a lot of stuff out there that has nothing to do with politics and I think that the more she kind of like likes and engages with that stuff and like trusts it I guess I think maybe that will help her realize that these aren't just like pure lie machines that she thinks they are